Mav Studios Midwest is ready to get it, baby. We can't leave a, a drip. <laughs> like on I can't the table. tell. Like I recorded a. Uh, I recorded me singing because I, I wanted to get cute for best dip, so I was singing, singing a freak nasties to dip. We might actually open the episode with that one because that was my test. Uh, all right, let's clap it off. When I dip, you dip, we dip. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's freak oh, nasty, okay. brother. That's freak nasty. Okay, just just wanted to make sure it was none other than the freak nasty. And welcome back, everybody, to the most awesome and brandana sports podcast coming at you as we always do. And we have a dynamite episode 48 coming at you. Guys, do us a favor. Subscribe. Leave five stars. Tell a friend. Guys, shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Brandana, and with me, as always, the government can't shut him down. Most awesome. Hey. <laughs> what's up brother <laughs> how, you, how you doing good man good just uh a busy week yeah man a busy week but uh much like that north star that shone light for the three wise men you are my wise men brandana i'm coming for you here i know it's a little bit of a holiday metaphor and we're past it no, no. But you know what i'm full of frankincense and myrrh bitch <laughs> i'll take it brother i'll take it keep it alive uh yeah I, okay i don't want to be a podcast that like when we kind of just shoot the shit coming in the beginning of the podcast yeah. like we always just talk about the same like weather's bad traffic's bad it's cold as fuck here brother like it was it was so cold like on monday like i like i walked outside and it's one of those moments i don't know if you had them where like i didn't know if i was old enough to be an adult like i mean i just went outside and it was like 10 degrees and i was just like should i like should I be outside? Can I can I breathe in this weather? Like, should my ears right. be covered? Like, I thought my ears were gonna fall off. Right, right. It's the so cold when you hit there. The like, the you didn't realize you had snot in your nose and yeah. it instantaneously freezes. And you're like, my nose hairs are stuck to the inside of my nose. This is this is gonna be bad. Yes, frozen mustache out there. At, oh, so bad. It is going to get brutally cold next week, too. So that's why kicking off this Monday, no members out there, you got a nice little cup of hot pod coming at you. <laughs> Keep you warm. Right. Warm up by the fire with the MAB Sports Podcast. Okay, guys, we got a jam-packed episode 48. We're going to hit rip from the headlines. It's our MAB Super Bowl preview. We're going to do a little MAB fixes. It needs it right now. A little NFL overtime. We got a new segment coming for our no members. Mab flicks and chill. We're talking about what we're currently watching, and this week we tackle those two glorious Firefest documentaries. We'll jump into that. Uh, we're doing the Neapolitan Showdown. It is Super Bowl party season. We're going to do the best dips. We're going to jump into the Brandana Gambling Corner. We're going to talk the Super Bowl picks for the game coming up next Sunday. And then we'll finish, as we always do, with our MVP of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, your hour of power starts now. and rip from the headlines it may be super bowl preview why are we talking about that this week brother uh because the super bowl is <laughs> on the horizon b that's that's why yeah that makes sense we're talking about it but we, yeah totally makes sense it's the only time that we could talk about it we've got uh rams v patriots mm-hmm. 
and we're going to talk a little bit of how we think it shakes out, what what things we want to look for, and uh, maybe we maybe throw who who we think is going to win at it. What do you think about that? I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to save my little official pick for the gambling corner, but I'm just I want to pick your brain on a few things to see kind of where you're at. So we got uh, let's look at how both these teams got here. So I think a big headline right now. Uh, I was just kind of searching through some of these storylines that we want to follow as the Super Bowl's coming mm-hmm. up because God knows. 13 long fucking days between the championship game and the actual yep. Super Bowl leaves plenty of time for us to dig deep. And I don't think either of us uh, partake particularly in that uh, that media circus, whatever media day is. I'm a strong pass yeah. on that. Much like yeah. the Pro Bowl. Hard pass. Strong hard pass on the Pro Bowl, too. So there's no there's no football going on until this final game. So we got uh, right. Belichick versus McVay. So we had, we had Brady. Uh, so both these teams had that first round bye. Both of them mm-hmm. were the two seed in their division, so they opened with home games. We had... The New England Patriots, uh, like I think Bill Simmons has put on his podcast, playing a little rope-a-dope, maybe, looked very strong mm-hmm. against that Chargers team that looked just mm-hmm. completely in over their head. And then they traveled to an Arrowhead Stadium with temperatures not quite as frigid as we thought, but played a – got off to a fast start in the Chiefs team that almost caught up with them and caught up, but yep. they, they took care of it. And then on the Rams side, uh, they faced a Cowboys team at home after their first week by in that wild card round. In the division round, they faced them, and it was a Cowboys team, which I don't think we really understood how good they were, because now I think even you look how how the Saints finished, and that Dallas kind of that Dallas win over the Saints was kind of a big turning point, but maybe maybe not. I mean, they did have that mm-hmm. win over the Seahawks, but barely held on, and then the Rams go into the Superdome and beat the New Orleans Saints, where Drew Brees has previously been undefeated when playing there. So that's where we got to how we are at this championship game. How do you see it shaking out, brother? Ooh, I like that mm. recap, Brandon. Mm. I just sat back yeah. and just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's really it's really interesting. I've been thinking a little bit about this game, and I'm, I'm just trying to think about what kind of I'm, – I'm really interested to see what kind of Patriots team is going to come out yep. and how they're going to come out. I think uh, if you look at their last two victories over the Chargers, over the Chiefs, They've been really playing like a ball control, run-oriented offense, which is like counter to what we've seen. Like we talked about the Chiefs-Rams game, that shootout where just touchdown passes and long balls and just up and down the field. I think I think the I think the Patriots. I'll I'll be very interested to see again. Is it is it much like we talked about last week with uh, guest Kyle? Like the worst case scenario is is the Patriots get the ball, come out run a seven-minute drill or seven-minute seven minute drive and just run the ball down their throats. Yeah, um, I'll be interested to see if they come out of it. I think they kind of have to because I don't think they have the weapons on the outside to, to really play that uh, high, high pace, high offense, or high-octane offense. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get into a little bit with my gambling corner, and I think any detail that I hit here will just maybe shorten up that gambling corner and just get down to <laughs> what my pick's going to be. But it's uh, – yeah, I definitely – I – I don't think the Patriots, and I'll get into a stat later. I, the Patriots can't get off to a slow start, which I'm not saying like that hasn't been their right. mo this postseason at all. I mean, I think if you look at if you look at both games, uh, they scored a touchdown on their opening drive, so right. it's they definitely that has been the game plan, and the game plan has been they don't have Brady doesn't have those weapons, and it's been establishing that run game with you know uh, you have White, Burkhead, and Michelle, and it's just like kind of Mm -hmm. we're going to run it until you force us to stop on the other side of the ball i think we did see uh at least in that saints game a little bit of a slow start for the rams and that's just something you know with a young quarterback in the big spotlight going against brady is just like they absolutely can't afford to do that 
Yeah, and they were able to they were able to kind of keep uh, keep the Cowboys D on the field by the, the running attack. And that first game, the Rams had C.J. Anderson had over 100 yards. Todd Gurley had over 100 yards. Not quite as successful against the Saints right there. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Goff steps up into that that limelight and, and kind of take that tier one quarterback position that we've all kind of anticipated anticipated him to be. You know, does he make the big throw? He's going to have to make a couple big throws throughout the game. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if he can do that in the Super Bowl. And, yeah, and I kind of didn't think he did because I think we all agree that, you know, that first 12 weeks Rams team was a different Rams team that then we saw kind of finish oh, out yeah. the year, got it off to a little slow start. But then uh, it's kind of heading into overtime that the Rams looked a little bit over their head. Uh, before that in the second quarter, like that ballsy, I think, on their 25 or 28, maybe it was the 30, that fake punt, which was just right. like right on the like MVP throw from that fucking punter. And then, yeah. uh, you know, Goff throws uh, with like under a minute left. He throws just kind of like that dime right in the like end zone to put him, get that touchdown on the board, which kept him within striking distance, which I think was absolutely fucking huge. You brought up Todd Gurley, which is a great point, which has been a big part of their offense. Uh, five carries in the Saints game. Granted, one of those was a touchdown. And it was on the exercise bike. Uh, what mm-hmm. up with that? Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where he, you know, they brought in CJ Anderson toward the end of the season. Um, looking at the stats, CJ Anderson had two pretty good games while Gurley sat out and basically is their second leading rusher for the season in two games. So it's, they don't have a lot of depth. Gurley has kind of been nursing that knee injury. I think they reported it like after week one, he's just been kind of nursing that. And that's, that's a tough position to be at for a guy that you need to get, 25 carry or 25 touches in, in some way shape or form and who's a game changer who's a you know who's, who can break a, a big long run for you can i talk a little bit of uh parallels to tom brady's first super bowl victory coming up with this game before we jump into i want to know you what you see as the biggest factor in this game is that cool brother can i do that oh i love it i'm i'm excited to see because i don't know where this is going all right uh so the, the super bowl this year is on february 3rd 17 yes. years ago on February 3rd, 2002, Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl against what team? That would be the Rams. The St. Louis Rams. Uh, that's right. So Drew Bledsoe, uh, that season, Drew Bledsoe got knocked. They started out 0-2. Bledsoe gets knocked mm-hmm. out against the Jets. Tom Brady takes over in his second season. Uh, and this is Goff's third season. Anyway, Brady leads them to an 11-5 record. Uh, this is It was Rams' second appearance in three seasons. New England, this is their fourth in five seasons. Uh, the Rams were favored by 14 points in that game. Not quite as big Ooh. as the Patriots being favored by two and a half in this game. I don't know. There, right. there just seems like a little book in this where this could be uh, like, is it passing the baton to like to, to a McVeigh and Goff? That might be. Granted, we're never like make no mistakes about it. No matters. We're never going to see a fucking dynasty like New England Patriots again. Like, that's just the facts. Right. What, what they're pulling off in the salary cap era with free agency is just absolutely fucking insane. But, right. but what we do know is this Patriots dynasty ain't going to last forever. So is this kind of when the door shuts and this new, younger kind of generation maybe strings together a little bit of its own, not legacy, but just kind of marks its territory as the new leader of the NFL? It's interesting, right? It seems like one of those things, like like you mentioned, the baton passing is we see that so often in sports. You know, you've got, you know, the Pistons to the Bulls in the late 80s and Jordan and, and the bad boy Pistons. And you, you've seen it from, you know, Dr. J to Bird and Magic in those eras, too. Um, 
you don't necessarily football is not quite that same way because it's so it's so fickle injuries and and all that stuff plays a role but this is the closest baton pass that we might see in the NFL because um because I, I you know McVay is a gifted coach mm-hmm. he's got a young young team now they're all in on the pieces that they have so they've spent a lot of money but we'll see in 2 years how this all shakes out but for right now they are they you know them the chiefs and that's really it are probably the two leaders of the clubhouse everyone else has fallen off in one way shape or form uh in the next couple seasons so so is it one of those things where they they win and they they kind of hold dominance for the next year and a half or, or or so yeah 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 i think it's a little bit with the belichick brady era like this dynasty is it like quietly into the night or is it just like a roar and just exit kind of stage left while you're on top while the crowd's just like going nuts? Yeah. And that's the thing is, is, you know, with the, with the Patriots, we have counted them out so many yeah. different times. I mean, even in a couple of Super Bowls ago when they were down to the Falcons, 28 to three. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, I, I barely watched that game because it was like, it's over. And it's like, Oh, well, this is the chapter. No, they came back. They won that one. Then they came back to the Super Bowl the next year. You know, it's just yeah. it's it's crazy what they're doing. Um, Ugh, just like an Uber ride during that entire third quarter. I somebody <laughs> give me the heads up that they're gonna come back. I didn't fucking know. I didn't right. know. Oh, brother. Uh, okay. So here's here's the thing. Oh, what's the thing? Ooh, what's the thing, brother? That, I like when you say here's, here's the, the thing. thing. What's the thing? I do. That's my thing. Um, <laughs> the 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 Rams run defense has historically been this season yep. not great. Uh, they're in the like the bottom third of the league. The last two weeks, nope. 50 yards and under between the Cowboys, which had Zeke, and that Zeke. was a big, huge thing for them. Zeke had 47 yards and 19 receiving yards. Then followed up the next week against the Saints with Ingram and Kamara. Under 50 yards again, Ingram had 31 yards on, I believe, nine carries, and Kamara eight carries for 15 now he did have 96 receiving yards so that'll be a little bit of an x-factor wrinkle but if they continue to play lights out run stopping defense which we've talked about the pats really having to control the game and the pace of play with their run offense that to me right there and all this stuff we talked about passing and no look throws and you know the, the deep ball and all this bullshit that we talked about that will be the most um impactful you know, uh, thing on this Super Bowl is the, if can the Rams stop the Patriots and they can can they get them off the field on third down? Bro, I love when you play fucking possum on me. He all sits down. And he's just like, oh, I don't know how many stats I have. I don't know. Like I'll dig a little <laughs> bit, then just fucking breaks it wide open with his boiler down. Great, brother. All right, well, uh, looking forward to seeing that game. And I hope, guys, that we'll bring for you next week. We're gonna do a little bit of map on the street. Figuring our technology so it don't sound like shit like it did for the NCAA Ooh. championship. That was the final four. Um, all right, brother. Uh, that was ripped from the headlines. Great job. Let's jump into MAB, fi- MAB fixes. <laughs> did I have those sound effects yet? Maybe we need to do that. I don't think so. I, I really like You're our, waiting for it. Uh, oh, you like our acapellas? <laughs> yeah. I like the uh, acapella uh, garage sounds that we have. Oh, let's give him a little air horn, too. <laughs> I don't know where I heard an acapella airport somewhere. I don't remember. All right. MAB fixes Mm. NFL overtime. So we had two conference games on the same day go to overtime, which Mm -hmm. is uh, obviously hasn't been done before. 
Uh, in one game, the first one was Rams-Saints. Uh, both teams did get to touch the ball on a questionable pass interference kind of call where we thought the ball was tipped. Uh, it wasn't Breeze, those interception. And then Greg, the fucking leg, drills one from how far out were we? 58? Huh? Yeah, somewhere in that 56, 50. Jesus. I mean, just bombed it. Legatron's coming at you. Tones. That's fucked up. Uh, so here's what we're talking about. It's kind of like stirring around. Well, and, so it may be one. And don't forget about, don't forget about the AFC. Though, AFC the championship. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why we're really talking about it too is that yeah. one, uh, both teams didn't get to possess the ball. Uh, right. If you don't know the rules of overtime, then you probably don't know enough about football to actually give a shit. So I won't jump into it, <laughs> but the big thing everyone's clamoring for now is do both teams need to touch the football in overtime, brother? This is so interesting that we've, we've gotten this, like this long and had this rule it used to be sudden death. Everyone was like, Ooh, yeah. sudden death. And then the analytics world that we live in now started realizing it's like, Oh, Hey, if you win the coin toss, which is just a 50, 50 thing, like yeah. the odds of the team winning the coin toss is pretty fucking high. So how is this fair? And yeah, cause you'd win the coin toss and then basically have to go like get two first downs. And then you're within like, you know, a long field goal range. And then that field goal wins the game for you. Exactly. Yes. And then and then they don't even get to touch the ball. So that was the and the rule behind I think the reasoning behind that rule was very much a well, it's player safety and we don't want to play, you know, five quarters worth of NFL football. That's a lot to take on their bodies. And we just want to get in, get over and, you know, get get, get the game over. But yeah. Is it necessarily, from a competition standpoint, the best? I mean, shouldn't that cheat? I mean, I, I guarantee you every Chiefs fan would argue, yeah, we'd want the ball and see how that works. Um, we know the NFL is ripped from college many a time. So why don't we? How so? How so? Do our, how so? Oh, and just in the offenses and bubble screens and just kind of the the quick passes and the read options, uh, the RPOs that are out there. That, you know, NFL is poached a little bit here from college. And, I feel and, you. Like, I had that on my list. I wanted to ask you kind of like what the – because I don't really understand the college football overtime setup. Ooh. So – Well, uh, then hopefully if you – then hopefully you give a shit. I do. I do. Hit me with it, bro. Hit me. I'll boil it down real fast. How's it going? It's, so it's, real, it's something like they move the ball back a little bit more each time, but you just kind of like start on each side of the field. And then, then eventually the third time you're like forced to go for two or something. Yeah. You're, you're kind of close on there. So each – uh, each team gets a possession and they start at their opponent's 25 yard line. Yeah. So you basically start just, just outside that red zone. You start there and whatever you score. So if you score a touchdown, the other team has to score a touchdown because they get a possession at the 25 yard line and they get to try and match that. If you kick a field goal and they score a touchdown, they win. So it becomes, and then after two touchdowns or two possessions, once you, score a touchdown you have to go for two you can't kick an extra point yeah um no, in no time yeah. in the, no time in the clock right like it's just kind yeah of like no a, yeah no yeah just play clock you get it's basically just downs yeah. so you get four four downs to to move it you could have basically two first downs in that you know 25 foot range and then you know have a, a third third uh third goal or you know fourth and goal possession there um the longest it has ever had has been tied there's been multiple games at seven seven overtimes so each possession would be one overtime yeah then you know and uh most recently i believe it was texas a&m and lsu this year i think the first time i ever remember hearing it i was in college and it was like arkansas like houston or something like that but it is it, it makes for very uh you know very uh high stakes from a from a fan's perspective high stakes 
environment. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, it, it everyone, no one has any questions about, you know, is this the best way to settle this game in overtime? I think giving everyone a possession and maybe because it's the NFL, maybe you start instead of starting at the 25 where you just kick field goals all day and it becomes like a layup. You actually, maybe, maybe you start it back at, and I was, I was trying to think of the right distance. And I was like, well, maybe you just start at the 50 yard line, but that's really like one first down and you're in field goal range already. Yeah. So maybe you start it back at like your 35 or your 25, no kickoffs. You just go back and you go, okay, you get one offensive drive and whatever you get is what you get. They get an offensive drive, whatever you get is you get. If you both come up with goose eggs, you just keep going back. We're not kicking and punting. You know, mm. you just make everybody go for it on fourth down if they can't score. Or if there's like a pick six, same thing in, in college. If there's a pick six, it's like a score the other way. So It is, still, it is still, a score the other way, so it's over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's a score the other way, it's over. So you're playing in all, all things like that. You're not, you know, they always said that the kickoffs and punts, are those are the most violent, dangerous plays in the game. So from a player safety standpoint, you're covered there, I, I believe, and you're still giving everyone the equal opportunity because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, uh, you know, equal, you know, equal opportunities. We, we're not looking yes. to like make sure that the outcomes are always fair or whatever. But we just want everyone to have an equal opportunity to achieve their goal or to achieve a win, and and that I think giving each one a possession does that. That's pretty dynamite, brother. You might have swayed me. Uh, I know we usually see eye to eye. This is it. Maybe fixes, and we go together. I, I don't. I don't mind. I think my only trepidation. I was a little gun shy on the college, as it was briefly described to me, because it doesn't quite. I really wanted my overtime to reflect the game, not like a new game mm-hmm. starts, kind of like have like in hockey or soccer after two overtimes, like kind sure. of becomes a shootout, which the college overtime kind of feels like a hybrid between the actual game and a little bit of like a like a shoot off shootout or like what do they what do they call when you like a kick is that what it called like a shootout like Wait, a soccer is a, yeah, yeah yeah hockey is is a shootout the 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 uh, soccer is is you just have extra time but then you can still end up with the you, you know you have you have extra time they just they just add on for injury time yeah yeah and soccer and then but in like and like world cup stuff where they need to determine a winner and they can't have a tie that's when they go they to do. the shootout yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah and, and that's the thing is, is there, there, you, there's. It's very fair to sit there and say like, we just play a ten minute overtime period. You know what I mean? Or a no, seven that's minute it. overtime that, period. That, that, that was mine. Like mine was just like it's, it's simple. Like I would just eliminate the. They say it's not specifically sudden death, but they, they try to make it, it like it's still sudden death basically after each right. team has a possession. So I would just, uh, I would just eliminate that. Like I would just play the entire. Okay, so regular season, who gives a shit if they're ties? Like, keep it 10 minutes, ties mm-hmm. will happen, who cares? Keep the rules mm-hmm. how they are for the regular season. Mm-hmm. For postseason, just give me that extra overtime period, and then whatever the score is at the end of that is the final score. And if no one scores and it goes a second overtime, then it just becomes sudden death. Because, like, you both had an equal right. opportunity in that overtime to do something and make it happen, and if not, then who gives a fuck? Like, then it goes to the coin flip or whoever gets the ball and scores. Right, right, yeah, or just, it's just yeah, there should be in that second, like, if it – on that and that is on that thing in playoffs it's like you play the 15 minutes and then it's it'd be basically like just a quarter change a you know quarter, it's yeah. like yeah you know you just you're just moving you're just you don't flipping another coin in that overtime period that second overtime is just like it's a second quarter and you just play on yep. you know what i mean yep yep yep, yep. Um, some scores I like it. Great. All right. Like well, where, where would you? What would you rather? I think, but from a fan perspective, you just you're all good with just more football. You're just more football. I just I, keep it the same. I, Less rules is fine. I, I like I like the game not taking 
any sort of new shape because it's mm-hmm. now overtime. I like it just mm-hmm. staying in like the game flow, whatever's going on, like still kind of sticking with that, but giving an opportunity for both teams to score. So I like this idea of a fifth quarter and then sixth quarter, like uh, you take a little break, like it's still, you know, flip sides of the field right. or whatever. And now it's just sudden death. It's just like, all right, you guys both had a quarter to figure this shit out. You couldn't. So whoever scores next, we got to get the fuck out of here. But just for the postseason, keep it right. Get regular during the regular season. So this is, this is might be the first time in in our pod in 48 pods that you might lean closest to having like a baseball overtime just extra innings like you're just like all right let's just make it like baseball did i sway you the other way now i don't like how you painted that but (laughs) (laughs) fair enough guys once you email us at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts on how to fix this postseason overtime uh all right guys new segment time mab flicks and chill All right, uh, doing a little new segment here. Going to dive into a little bit of, you know, we do our MAB date night when we sit down with a little popcorn and watch a movie from our childhood mm-hmm. to see if it holds up. There's a little on the different tee up, watch a little bit of TV, <laughs> talk about what we're watching, and we both kind of dove into the fire documentaries. Uh, two came out. We had the fire, uh, they're both about the fire festival, obviously, which I'll let you know what it is. On Netflix, they released the fire, the greatest party that never happened, and then Hulu had fire fraud. Uh, a real quick shake, you, shake down on the difference of these. Oh, brother, you know I've been obsessed Brandana, about these. <laughs> Brandana, you, are, you have been so excited. I think probably since, like, pod eight, you've been talking oh, about this. Like, not the documentaries, but just the fire Festival. You are – I would say you are, are – you're, you're an expert, right? You, I would be. I would consider you an expert. In an this. expert and a fascinated by this pig and shit. I'm just glad we didn't fucking like waste it and me accidentally talk about it before all these awesome documentaries <laughs> came out. We got to circle back on it. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know, like, hey, here's a story. There's a guy named uh, Billy McFarland. Uh, there's a guy named Ja Rule. Uh, Billy McFarland is a young entrepreneur. Uh, he started like this uh, diners club for hipsters credit cards. It was basically <laughs> <laughs> like if you were just like. You know, your mid-20s, you, you were uh, a millennial and really didn't have any money. Then they just gave you, like, a regular credit card that was hooked up to your bank account that was just, like, really heavy. And then you could go to, like, like uh, just, like, this one-bedroom condo in Soho and kind of hang out and have dinner parties. Uh, it was called Magnus, which uh, 90% sure that's a portmanteau of, like, magnum and penis. Uh, yeah, he, right. he didn't admit to it during the doc, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, that's what's going on. So basically, he teamed up with uh, – so he invented, like, this card or whatever, gets more steam. He wants to be, like, the next Zuckerberg, big entrepreneur, uh, gets Ja Rule on board with, like, a little bit of notoriety. He's getting – notoriety is, like, negative. With it, just, like, the publicity he's gained with kind of starting this little upstart company, get some investors right. involved, Ja Rule. So basically, on vacation, he decides – he wants to do a festival in the Bahamas. So, and he has a relationship with Ja Rule, and so... A music festival. A a mu- music yes, festival. yes, 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 yes. A music festival. So right. it it gets the the green the green light, guys. And here, here's what's really going down. If you haven't seen like, you have to get into it, because it's like a real, it becomes like a real chicken and egg situation. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it shows you kind of the power of, and from what I saw breakdown, it's you know, wanted to start a festival, had connections to the money, paying the social influencers or promising the social influencers like bungalows, houses or whatever there for them to promote a festival that hasn't officially been 
been planned. It just has a right. name. It has social influencers talking about it. So it's almost like building up this building up this thing that people thinks it's going to be as it's gaining traction. Like it's this right. really like just painting himself into a corner where he has to make this festival go down. And and, and so and so to do we want to just tip the hand of what happened? I mean, just so we can get into it, is that they sold a whole bunch of tickets yes. for it. People then show up. It is a disaster on the highest order. Nothing is ready. Nothing is what they promised. The hundreds of thousands of dollars people have spent. It's just a. It's just an unmitigated disaster, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's an absolute fucking nightmare. Like it's just like you basically. That's what I'm talking about. Like it. It just became like the money like running a circle. Like the more money he got, like the more people he like got to promote it. You know, like Kylie right. Jenner like dropped and everything. The more he like pay these bands to like get do it and then to make more money promising more bungalows and he just couldn't get shit out there like it's, it's just right. like it, it was the complete lack of experience and i love ambition and i did want to root a little bit for billy mcfarland but by the time you get to the end of both these documentaries uh the second one the hulu one actually has an interview with billy mcfarland the netflix one right. doesn't it doesn't make one better than the other uh just a quick breakdown like the netflix one gives you a little bit more makes you feel like in the moment leading up to it and then the hulu one has great interviews with everybody that was kind of involved and billy mcfarland himself so it they are they are they work as great companion pieces i would watch the netflix one and the hulu one second sure um and it's interesting too because lost in all of that uh so billy mcfarland was also designing the fire site so the fire festival was there yeah good point. Remember yeah. the fire the yeah. fire site which was an interesting platform which was basically like uber for bookings right it was like if you want if you wanted to have a party and you had the money you could go through and you could reach out to jaw rule and you could be like i want to book you for this event or and that was the idea i I don't yeah i don't i don't know why you would want to do that but yes yes i don't know why you would want jaw rule or murder (laughs) or whatever he is or whatever that is but you would uh you could have this and it was an interesting like platform and cutting through like a space that is very much like underhanded and you got to know this guy and this guy and this guy or you just got to make connections so it, it it brings that experience like to the end user right there so it's an interesting idea and then and the and i only watched the netflix documentary so you had all these people all these people that were working on a legitimate website that then got bastardized by the fire festival and one was pulling to the other and then and this is where i think you, you're talking about you're like you love ambition and it was all it was this one thing where you're watching this and at least in my perspective when you're like all right yeah i could see how you could have these ideas and i i equated it to like the 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 fake it till you make it generation exactly on steroids and and then and then towards the end of it you're like oh wait no these guys are just fucking crooks like these guys exactly yeah yeah Yeah, so that's what criminals yeah exactly and that's what great point also to not get confused is just like that and that's why i got like a little because you are like in the beginning it looks like a blueprint for oh this guy is going to try to make it but it was just about like getting all this money and then you know by the like you said by the time you get to the end of it it's just like oh this is like full-fledged like this is like i mean he's uh not to step on the indian or whatever bury the lead where the fuck it's called i mean he's doing six years like he's behind bars right now and as he should be because like more evidence comes out at the end that it's just like oh like this guy wasn't misunderstood like he didn't like in no way is this guy a victim like he has created victims like there's like and it's a great point too with the and just real quick and i'll let you jump back into it like i don't want to go glaze over your point on the fact that the fire festival was to promote this app this like website that was fire which was connecting like musical artists to people that wanted to book them so it's like 
I have a production company. So it's like for me to go out and produ- like promote my production company without talking to any of the employees or like any of my partners or anything and going out there and just like creating like a, like a Penelope haunted house. And then like, like at the haunted <laughs> house, like, like people are falling through the floor, like it's a disaster, like the building caves in. And it's just like, right. because of that, like now the entire company goes out of business and like, you know, hundreds of people lose their jobs. Yeah. And it, and that's the thing that's just, it's so crazy to me. Um, I, you know, the, just, you, you, you love the sheer ambition of it, but there's gotta be like, you've got to have ethics in it. And, and every turn of the past, you just saw that line of ethics just get pushed further and further and further away from anything that's imaginable. And that becomes like, when I, when you watch it, you watch the people that are so close to it. You, it, may, it really makes you wonder. Like you think as you're watching it to yourself and you're watching in this 90 little minute snippet, you're like, well, I could never let this stuff like go on. I would have to sit there and eventually back out. And it's these people that played, you know, the event coordinators and, uh, you know, like uh, what's his name? Andy King, the the older guy who uh, well, we could talk about Andy. Oh, you know, yeah. The hair. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the true MVP of the fire festival. <laughs> Uh, but you know, all these guys are like, how could you put up with this? Well, it's one of those things. It's like, these are months and, and years. And, and the one thing that they all said, like universally about this Billy McFarlane guys is that he was steadfast in his approach and he was, he was confident and yeah. like, tr- and they felt like he was really trustworthy. Yeah. So he was, he was really like a con man in that highest order where he was laying this out, but he was then really just trying to essentially with money from different investors and from different ventures, basically play this shell game of money where he's just moving around and moving around and all the, all the while siphoning off stuff where he's driving a McLaren and he's has a, you know, this unbelievable like villa or, or like Soho apartment and sure just like, you know, the, the best thing that came out of it. And I think one of the, one of the media guys is like the real fire festival happened when they shot that like promo video. Yeah. Like that was the real fire. It wasn't for 6,000 people. It was for 60 people. And it was basically Ja Rule and Billy McFarland and like a bunch of, you know, social media, you know, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, real quick. Exactly. It was the biggest example of, you know, the chickens are going to come home to roost. Like, right. and, and it was, it was this circle of money. And I, and I wrote down, like, it was a whirlpool of money and it was just heading down the drain. It was right. getting like, I, here's how I kind of saw it shaking out. It was just like getting all this money up front. And then instead of worried about like the fucking plumbing, how that's going to lay down, how, how much these actual tents are going to cost, how much it's going to cost to get a caterer out there. You threw the money first to this promo piece. You threw it to these influencers or at least like the Kindle Jenner, like you write her a check to like promote the fire festival and then all of a sudden you're broke and you actually have to pay for shit. So now you just start adding bungalows that people can have. And then they're sending you right. more money. And that's why his back was against the wall. Cause I don't think he canceled it because, uh, I don't think he didn't cancel it because he was super ambitious. He couldn't cancel it because like he would have right. had to refund money that had already been spent on promoting it. Right. And he also was selling shares, festival shares in it to investors. People, people, I, I think this is an interesting thing that I learned in it is, is like people will buy shares in Coachella so they can get a stake of the, you know, the gross receipts and the ticket booth and, and or the ticket sales. Yeah, it's and like, all that stuff it's like a movie. There. You're getting points on it. 
Yeah, exactly. And so he was selling that and would go in there and just drum up. And, and I think one of the event promoters that was talking about it, the, the guy who also doubled, I can't remember his name, he doubled as a yoga instructor as well too. And he was the one who was like saying that people were like literally pulling money, their their money out of Coachella and these established yep. Yep, you yep, know, yep, yep. music festivals and then trying to put it and trying to find a way to get in on this fire festival, a festival that from his account and the festival industry had never accomplished what they did, which was basically sell out their first music festival with no, like with no, with no one really understanding who it was. And they, they really found an, uh, an amazing advertising angle to come at it, which was an unbelievable marketing campaign with these social media, media influencers who universally bought in, who really not to be like, like, not to cast them as like uh, these innocent bystanders, but really had no idea what they were doing. They didn't know what they were selling. All they knew that they were getting like they were helping themselves and in kind of being like on the vanguard of this like fashionable new thing that was there. So that kept the, their brand afloat. But also like Kendall Jenner, she got paid a boatload of money. Yeah. Um, but they were just kind of like, we're not really sure what we're here for. We're not, you know, Ja Rule, the scenes of them trying to shoot that, like Ja Rule is just like, there's no direction. They're just yelling. I'm like, let's all get in the, like, let's all go like skinny dipping. Let's all go do this. And they're like, well, I'm not fucking doing this, but I guess I'm here for three days. So I guess we'll kind of figure out and we'll look like we're having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Too concerned about his cheers toast. Uh, been on sets like that also <laughs> been on sets like that. I don't know how he got off scotch free. All right. Uh, all right. I got uh, two questions for you uh, up against yes. it, but I do want to hit some of the positives. Um, Billy McFarland doing six years. Um, yep. At the end of the Netflix doc, you see uh, Marianne Rowley, who was the caterer. I hope I pronounced that last name right. But uh, she was the caterer in the Bahamas that got stiff yes. for $100,000. Uh, fired up a GoFundMe page. Uh, was looking for to get reimbursed the $123,000 she was out. It's up to $191,000. And I will. Uh, that's excellent here. And a hats off to... Fuck Jerry, the marketing agency. Uh, yep. The founder of it, uh, Elliot uh, Tabli, donated twenty thousand to the GoFundMe, uh, which good, is what good. he said he was paid for it. And then there was another ten k added for a total of thirty k uh, under the Fuck Jerry name. There you go, and that's good because she dipped into her whole entire life yeah. savings. I got to learn how to save from her though. She had like a hundred k saved up. Damn. I know. Nice. Man, yeah, she's, she's got. The yeah, she's doing that Dave Ramsey, Jamaican style. All right, uh, so two big questions. Uh, I want to fly through a list real fast, and I want you to tell me if they're to blame, how much they're to blame, and then at the very end, I'm, I want to ask you the big question, then we'll get out of here. So real fast, mm. uh, Ja Rule, he to blame? I like how you say it, Ja Rule. Ja Rule. I like, I like how you're, you're ja very Rule. French, very weird. Ja, ja Rule. Yeah, he is, he is to blame because he, you know, he he wants to act like it wasn't his thing and it's like his idea that got bastardized it but in those early infancy stages it was all him hand in hand with Billy McFarlane like he gave Billy McFarlane credibility in that industry and then and then at the end when they had this like meeting this team conference call where it, after the festival was all fucked up yeah. and he's talking about we got we have a moment we have to sit there and and move on and and you know and someone was like well we, we defrauded people and he's like i wouldn't call it fraud i'm you know false advertising okay well right then and there you know yeah. like i talked about ethics earlier you've push that line if you if you don't understand that like false advertising or baiting and switching is fucking fraud 
in a music festival, then either you're stupid mm. or you're a uh, just a uh, a culpable liar. So Ja Rule, like, and I know he like donated a hundred grand to some bullshit or whatever just recently, probably because. But hey, guess what? This is like three years old. Like you could you could have had a lot of time, Ja Rule or Ja Rule, to fucking come out there and 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 lay down the you know the good the good vibes on it and really get in front of it. But you didn't, and now you're doing it because there's two fucking documentaries out there. Ugh. Fuck you, Ja Rule. You get me fired up, brother. That's it. I'm throwing away all my Ja Rule CDs. And I challenge you, exactly. no Mavers, you do the same. And you know what? Throw away Fast and Furious 1. I don't know if he's in the other ones. All right. Um, <laughs> let's talk about... In- oh, I think he's in Tokyo Drift. Fuck Tokyo Drift. <laughs> all right. Uh, investors like that Corolla lady. Is she to blame? Ooh, I don't know. That That's tough because that's her, that's her gig, man. That's what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to drum up money and sell stuff. I mean... She's on the back end. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, do, how, how say you? Because I, I, I feel like it's her job to generate money and generate investors and put big names in the room with guys like Billy McFarland. Maybe not criminals like Billy McFarland, but guys that are trying to sell shit, you know. Yeah, because I think, like, that's what I'm wondering, too. It's just, like, because I don't think it's criminal. Like, if I, if I buy stock in, like, let's say I bought stock in Exron or something, or if, like, I buy stock right. and it's just, like, on the pay on paper the company looks legitimate and it's telling me it's legit and it's telling me like it's planned then i can invest in that plan now if they succeed on that right. plan or not like i'm not part of the fraud campaign i'm not part of the covering up i am i'm duped just like everyone else i'm just i'm right. actually duped at a higher premium because i actually invested and i'm losing more shit in it so so right. i got i got to give a pass unless like you had inside information you just you were sold a bill of goods you were just like right. this looks good and you invested your money into it yeah, and Billy McFarland falsified documents. He one hundred percent he inflated the value of yep. Magnesis and everything else that was around there and told everyone that he was a ninety million dollar company to which he wasn't. Yep. And that Corolla lady, you know, unless she was in there falsifying documents, she's like a broker. It'd be like saying, like, I bought a share in Enron and you sold me that share in Enron. Well, the broker isn't responsible because he's just he's putting a company and a person with money together. Yep. So that's how I see that's how I see her. All right, uh, marketing company, fuck Jerry. They to blame it all. Again, this is they're they're doing a job. I mean, they're, sure. You know, one of those guys put a great point in there. It's like, well, am I supposed to do due diligence on anyone that comes to me with a project? Right. I'm like their financial plan and all this other stuff, or do they have? 20 grand or 10 grand and they have an idea and they're going to pay for everything else around it. I mean, exactly like tag taglines are taglines. If McDonald's comes to you and they're just like our taglines, like I'm loving it. Then you just fucking, you put, I'm loving it in a font they like on some colors they like with just like a package they like. And then that's just branding. That's where the job right. is. But then if you knew, if you knew like Philip Morris was a cigarette company and you're like, oh, I'm not in, like morally, it doesn't speak to me to go do this for work for them. Then you would make that choice, but you don't know that going into this with this fire festival. You know this is a startup with an you know an idea about taking models to the beach. Yep. There's and doing a music festival. If they can sell that out, then so be it. But my job is to do good creative content, not to judge that. All right, last one. Uh, social influencers like uh, Kendall Jenner, they to blame it all. That's a good question. I think yes, because I think the I think media when we watch videos on YouTube or we see something like what Fuck Jerry did, we understand that it's an advertisement. I think that there's even though it's it's you know the Kendall Jenner ad, the Pepsi ad, or or we talked about last week the Gillette ad. We understand that that's a that's a that's a company and a product that they're selling something, and we get that. Yeah. And the social media influencers um, are doing it in this in this very uh, Great. this gray zone. 
yes, it's it's nonchalant, it's casual, and it's like there's not a difference between this is an ad or this is just my personal beliefs. Yeah. Like we have a we have a Instagram and Twitter, and you should follow at Mab underscore Sports. Mm-hmm. But if I start going on there and I start talking about uh, you know. Um, I don't know what's what's a jalapeno poppers from mm. from Sonic. Yeah, but I'm just talking about how they're delicious and I love them. Yeah. Fi- find go to the website www.sonic.com <laughs> and find it. Now it's one of those things where it's like I, I, I should I should have to sit there and say like if I'm this is an advertisement like I'm a paid sponsor or is this my personal belief? So it's like one of those things like I do think it's that kind of that gray area where if you're gonna be paid to make a post, you got at least make it understood that it's some sort of advertisement of some sort. If it's your opinion. Let it be your opinion. Yep. But if you got if you got endorsed if you're an endorser of it, you got to fucking stand by it. That that's a great point. We need to know if like a paycheck's involved for what you're saying. If you just as a right. mouthpiece, or if you're actually like organically saying it. Love it, brother. Uh, okay. So last question: Could something like this ever happen again? Yeah, it's just a matter of of somebody looking, reading the tea leaves of culturally where we're, we are at. And again, like I said, it's the, I hate the fake it. I used to subscribe to it, be like, oh, fake it till you make it. But I think like the fake it to the make it generation has bastardized it because they've taken everything out of it about what it was about, like hard work and ethics and uh, trying to like actually accomplish something good and really just kind of bent it into like the, well, let's fuck everyone over and see if we can get, get off for ourselves. That, that's a great point. Our generation is fake it till you make it. Theirs is fake it like you made it. Like, those are the two different things, brother. Like, they want to act like, and there's this other article out there with, like, three guys that just went to jail for, like, uh, selling a bunch of bullshit things and all they, like, took pictures with, like, champagne and Rolexes. It's just, like, just this need to be famous and already be there before, like, you put in any of the work is where everybody wants to be. And that's not how it fucking works. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, there's a there's a movie on Netflix called American Meme. If you want to talk, you want to learn about the life of a social media influencer. It's one of those things. It's like they are trying to project this. Everyone's just trying to get likes and follows and clicks. Yeah, and it's really kind of this amazing thing. So it just made me think of that a little bit, like thinking like you've made it. People are acting as if you know that they've made something that they're not. You know. All right, guys. If you check out that documentary, send us an email and let us know what you think at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com. This has been Mab Flicks and Chill, our new segment. If you want us to Man, check out. I was not chill at all in that segment. No, I wasn't. Mab is a fire. Pun so intended. Angry. Fire yeah. festival up. Uh, all right, guys. It's high noon, <laughs> motherfucker. Let's get into it. Bring us to that jam. So let's leave it alone. Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree Damn. Alright brother, Neapolitan Showdown We are talking something near and dear to your heart And your gut Ayo <laughs> Best boom dips roasted like my garden <laughs> roasted done roasted. Uh, Opup was nice enough to give me the victory last week, even though it had to do something that tightness throat up. But he handed it over to me. <laughs> didn't let a little avocado stop giving Brandana the victory. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so I will come out of the gate. There's some Super Bowl parties going on. These are just kind of something we'd like to see on that table to stick a chip yeah. into. Yeah, we and also. Email your Super Bowl invites to mabsportspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, okay, I'm going out of the gate. I'm going with the classic, a must-have. I'll get specific on how I like it. I want fresh salsa. 
Give me some salsa. salsa. Give me some salsa, bro. Like I like I know, but it's just like I don't ever. If there's a salsa on the table, as long as I, I think those store bought ones, the Tostitos and everything can get like way too mm-hmm. sweet. I don't want sugar involved. I like a little restaurante style. I like it chunky. A lot of jalapeno. A lot there of onion. Go. There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> a lot of garlic. Like, just pack it in there. Like, I like got to have a salsa and I can eat. There's salsa in the fridge right there. I probably eat salsa five times a week. I'm, I'm, really? I'm walking the walk, brother. I'm walking the walk. You I are. Love some so salsa. you're an expert. Okay. So here's the thing. Like, I love every time when you talk about, like, it, I was thinking about this when I was actually, sure. I was getting some beers before tonight. And I was like, yeah. Brandana is such on the savory tip. It's not even funny. Like, <laughs> I no know. sweetness I, I'm whatsoever. Not a, oh, no. Are you going to drop a sweet dip on us? No, I don't even no know what a sweet dip, dip would be. Uh, no, like shit. Cin- like a cinnamon sugar dip for cinnamon rolls or something? No, yeah, no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not at Super Bowl party. Um, but uh, I like it. Now let me ask you this: so there, so there are some salsas mm-hmm. that are out there Ooh, that are, no mango, uh, no watermelon. Let's not get cute. Okay. Yes, let's get fucking. Oh, you want to get? Let's keep uh, that real on that. But also, like, you want it to be chunky. Like, I want yeah. it. I want that salsa to when I dip it in there. Like, I don't have to worry about catching my hand to like, you know, catch that little drip off of there. I need it to be a hearty, chunky salsa. Yes, yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. You got to have that, right? Because if if you got that runny salsa, it's no no bueno. No, I, no I, bueno. I want it to be able to like scoop it up and just like take laps around a carpet. And even if it tips over, like, I, I want it like so heavy, like maybe it cracks the chip. Like, I just want like yeah. I want that. I want that girth of that salsa. Like a white carpet. Salsa. Like not afraid of <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> not afraid at all. They're just like, oh, Brandon Scott was like, oh, don't worry. He got the chunky salsa that he brought. He's he got safe. the chunky salsa. Exactly. He's safe. The salsa. That's, like a, a lot of, that's like a paste almost. A lot, a lot of jalapeno, brother. I want to make sure I was okay. clear on that. A lot of jalapeno. Yeah. A lot of jalapeno. Okay. I like it because you, like you like to open up the nostrils. I get it. Now, see, this is this is going to be a very tough land landscape for me to navigate with you judging this, Brandana. Sure. Because you, you hate all things like white and creamy. Correct. And dips have a lot of white and creamy in them. Yes, all, the, all the best ones have have a lot of them. Yeah, your back's up against the wall. I'm gonna be honest. My back is up <laughs> against the wall. So I'm gonna go. Your long shot. I'm gonna go with the number three because I think like I think the sign of a true excellent dip is is that you could pretty much put anything in it, right? You can put chips. Yeah, you can put like pita bread. Yeah. You can do you can do uh, vegetables. Uh, right? We're trying to enjoy so ourselves. I getcha. So here we go. I'm going with number three: French onion dip. Ooh. Excellent. It's got a little bit of like tangy that oniness. Okay, to all right. I'd be honest. Like, if there's anybody I can open up to, uh, this will holler out to Champ, a future guest of ours. He does know like my uh, dirty little secret about this French onion dip. I did Uh-oh. go through a streak in my mid twenties when, after the bars, uh, it lasted about two and a half, three years. Uh, Champ was my roommate, and he would always have a thing of French onion dip in the fridge. I would get half, yes, sir. half cocked, grab some of those wavy lays, and wake up in the morning next to a French onion dip that only had about a quarter left in the container. A bunch of just <laughs> chirp crumbs on my face, not knowing what happened. I can't officially right. say if I ate it and enjoyed it or not. I right. can't. Okay, so I'm going to go. But, uh, I ate that at around probably 4 in the morning. I'll give you boom. four points. I like my boom. salsa, uh, four chunky ingredients. Keep it simple. Keep it fresh. No longer than four hours old. We're going to do four to four. Ooh. All right. I like it. Okay. Okay. So this is another little one, too. When it's, I did like that you called me out on the white creamy things, but I'm, I'm going to, this is our, our audience. These are our nomabbers. These mm-hmm. are, this yes. is our family. If we can't be honest they with these guys, who can we be honest with? Nobody, I would say. Whatever to spin art dip. I know there's a little cream cheese involved or some. Did you just breathe it? Did you just breathe that? Spin art, baby. Spin art. <laughs> 
Spinach and artichoke for the uh, for the formal affair. <laughs> Spin art when you're getting it at like Keg and Lantern down the street here in Williamsburg. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I like a lot of spinach in it. I, I just like the flavor. I don't even think I particularly love artichokes. I, I just want it loaded with spinach. And this, like you said, is something you can dip anything in. Like vegetables yes. show up, you're fine. Uh, tortilla show chips show up, you're fine. You know when you hit a home run when those crustinis show up, brother. When those crostini yes, show sir. up, those breadsticks kind of slice thin and then just kind of like toast it a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Little little burnt ends. Oh, on, yeah. Little burnt pieces. Oh, on. yeah. Give you that little, little crunch. But the, oh, ooh, yeah. the cream softens it up. Mm-hmm, I like it. Mm-hmm. See, now I, I I definitely had spinach and artichoke dip. I was thinking about it. But then I was also I was like, you know, I got I, this is Brandana who I'm talking to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I went with if I if I couldn't do this and I'm at a Super Bowl party. I like the spinach and odor, artichoke dip because it's got legs, bro. It's got legs. It's got legs. It's like got it legs. could last that whole Super Bowl. Yeah, kind of a meal also. You kind of like if you forgot to eat dinner, you're just like, did I eat dinner today? Ah, I did have that spin art dip, so I might be all right. Spin art. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Um, so I'm going to go some uh, shit. How would I do it? Can I go some seven-layer? I'm some seven-layer dip. Oh, man, I was with seven-layer. Nice, two. nice. That, uh, that sour cream knocked me off. All right, real fast for seven points. I know, dude. Give me the layers. Oh, it's uh, beans, like refried beans, yeah. sour cream. Oh, fuck. You're going to kill. Uh, I don't know. how. Uh, five different cheeses and then <laughs> guacamole. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. That doesn't sound right. Wait, is that, there's a layer of tomatoes in there, right? It's, it's, there might be a layer. Oh, onions. Uh, scallions. Olives are in it. Scallions. Sure. All of it. <laughs> See, all I there. don't care. Like, you can make a 42-layer dip for all I care. <laughs> I just love it. I love all the flavors of the world on there. All right, Spin Art, I'm giving myself six for my breed right there. And you named four ingredients successfully of your seven-layer dip. I'll give you a four spot. Bring us <laughs> oh, to man. 10 to 8, pretty close to a dead heat. Uh, take the ball out. I'm For all the ones, the Neapolitan. Ooh, I almost want to – I oh, you want to go for oh. fifty point there? I do almost want to, but there's so many good dips out there. There is, and you you shook me with spin art. Yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah, I did kind of throw you off the scent there. That's good. I that's, that's a good. That's what I need in the two spot. This is out of all the times you accuse me of getting cute. And this is where I went super chalk. Mm. Give me that queso dip, baby. And the simpler, like the better. Give me two cans of that Rotel, spicy, with jalapenos, and give me a block of that oh. fucking Velveeta cheese. And if you're feeling saucy, if you're feeling saucy, special occasion, bring a can of that Hormel's chili. Bring a can of that Hormel's chili. Dump it in there. Get nuts. You just, Get nuts. I wish I, could, I wish I could show you my list right here. Yeah. Because I literally have it. Number one, I call it queso mandate. <laughs> <laughs> and and you get the slow kicker, you get the slow cooker beef, like the ground beef. Yeah. Velvet. I specifically wrote Velveeta cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Rotel tomatoes. <laughs> Eight. It's super easy. Any one of us could make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's delicious. And you want to talk about legs? That you when you make that crock pot full, you fill it up with a crock pot, yeah. right? That's how you make it. Yes. Thousand percent. Yeah. Like, like you and like don't go out there and like just get like a little like scoop a little on your plate just like take your chip chip whatever yes just dip right into yeah. it like just dip into the vat you know what i mean if you lose a chip even better someone finds a prize Yo, later. it gives a little texture gives a little texture i and right. i think like exactly i'd like to know how long it lasts because i think forever but it's never <laughs> lasts for more than three days in my fridge so i just like right. i'm hypothesizing that you know it'll be around when nuclear winter and like the cockroaches and you know this queso Velveeta, hormel's chili man dip as you call right. it <laughs> it's just like right 
when people are just rustling through apartments trying to find whatever, they'll open up and find the, the queso man dip and, and be like, yes. <laughs> oh, guys, that is a – ooh, we haven't had a Clash of the 1-to-1 one spot in a while. Mm. Maybe ever. So that is going to be a Brandana 2 Pete winning it 10-to-8. I, like I like it. Guys, enjoy your – How do you feel – how do you feel about buffalo chicken dip? Tell me about this. I, I know you're like, I, like I, I, I do. My problem is like I and I do like buffalo. I got on buffalo wings like three years ago. I eat them. I, I'm not bragging the way I eat them. If you've seen me eat them, uh, everyone just keep that little secret. The nomadvers don't need to know every fucking thing Whoa. about me. But I think, sure, but I sure, think sometimes sure. uh, the reason I stay away, you can get a little heavy with the blue cheese sometimes. Like that blue cheese flavor yeah. in that dip. So I got, I got, I guess to avoid that. And you can usually tell by. I need I need that color to be like that neon red, but when it kind of right. opens up into like an orange, like almost yellowish, danger, danger. That's like blue cheese loaded. Yep, yep, okay, good. I like it, okay. All right, guys, well, Very hit us good. up with your dips and what you're saying. You know what, like, let's get our Instagram going. Take a little picture of a dip and tag us in it. Let us know what chips you're dipping in. Uh, all right, brother, let's close this motherfucker down. We gotta jump into the Brandana Gambling Corner uh, real quick, like. <laughs> Brandana Gambling Corner, I was playing a little coy, dancing around my pick earlier when we did uh-huh. our MAB Super Bowl preview of Rip from the Headlines. Uh, I'm ready to come out with it. Uh, I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams plus two and a half points. You are. I am. Going brother. for it. Yeah, here's, here's my breakdown. Uh, so so uh, I want to give a little credit. I was already thinking about this, but Fox Sports 1 show, Lock It In, broke it down. So I will give him credit because I just lifted the stat that I was going to dig for. Uh, here's the first quarter points for all of Tom Brady's Super Bowl appearances, uh, which would be the eight of them. Uh, 2001, zero points in the first quarter. 2003, zero points. 04, 0, 0, 7, 0. 2011, zero points. 2014, zero points. 2016, zero points. 2017, three points. They have a little bit of a first quarter fucking problem. A little little trouble getting it into second, third gear coming out of the gate. Right. So with this defense, and I know uh, you spoke to their run defense of the Rams, which is true. Right. But I think if they can, if the Rams are able to get up 10 nothing, I know, like, you got to throw that Falcons game. We can't all just bring up that Falcons game every fucking time. Because, right. I mean, that was just, that, that was an anomaly. It's an anomaly, yeah. And yeah. they didn't have a defense like this Rams does. I, I think if, I think this Rams defense with, you know, Ndamukong Sue, with uh, Aaron Arnold can get, happy feet going a little bit for Tom Brady and I makes him super uncomfortable and this is definitely the weakest receiving core he's taken into a Super Bowl oh for sure and it's like the 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 Joe Thune uh, Andrews and Shaq Mason like the interior offensive line of the Patriots are going to have their work cut out for them with Sue and, and Donald like it's it's going to be a tough matchup for them and we've seen it we've seen Aaron Donald in, in that Chiefs uh, Rams game take over like from a defensive tackle position yeah. take over that game and what bigger stage for him to come out and, and really shine yeah so that's what I was just thinking like I, I think the big difference is if if this Ram team feels like can we see a little momentum that they started to build on the second half do they gain confidence from that kind of that Saints 
comeback that they had yeah. or do they have do they feel a little bit like they're not supposed to be there or they're going to use that on chip of the shoulder just like not only are we supposed to be here but we're going to win the fucking super bowl which, yeah oh yeah like that nobody believes in us because everyone's talking shit that the, this should be the saints which is the perfect motivation like i always love the like no the the chip of nobody believes in us yeah. no one thinks we should be here yeah. like that's a great way even if you're just a two and a half point underdog correct and uh unlike most of the no one believes we should be here uh they shouldn't be there but they should they, no. they they are but that's another mab fixes that is uh give me the rams plus two and a half over under, I'm not officially weighing in on this. Again, my official pick is Rams plus two and a half. Go ahead and take the points. Might as well. Uh, I would take the under, though. I picture, you know, McVay is going to, as soon as they get a hold of that lead, both teams, the Patriots, because of their offense, are going to want to extend the game. The Rams, if they get that lead, are going to want to slow the game down as well. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a low-scoring game. What, what's the what's the under over right now? Uh, it is at 57. 57. Yeah. Okay. So it's hovering. So it's right there. Yep. Hovering right around that mark that we saw the Chiefs Patriots that my lock of the week was perfect for for three and three quarters of a quarter. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not a full football game when there's still a quarter nope. left to go and some overtime also just to make it nice and fucked up. Uh, sweet, guys. Okay. Well, um, we're going to jump into our MVP of the week real fast. Out of the gate, I have Casey uh, Smitherman. She's a superintendent over there in your neck of the woods, Indiana. Uh, kid shows up with a sinus strep throat. She takes him to a clinic. Not her parent, just superintendent. Takes her to the clinic. Clinic denies service. Takes him to the hospital. Lies to him uh, to get him under his the insurance. Says, that's my son. Uh, she gets in trouble. I guess she's up for insurance fraud. Uh, but going diversion. Uh, I, just, I just love the like idea of like someone going to help and saying like, fuck the system, fuck everything. The most important thing right now is like just trying to help a child and insurance is a, it's a fucking racket. So great. <laughs> I love it. All fucking insurance. Uh, fucking racket. That's my MVP uh, of the week. I could tell you some stories, have a kid, have a kid and see, uh, see what kind of, see what kind of, uh, uh Billy McFarland's come out of the woods. Trying <laughs> to remove you from your money. Billy McFarlane's out the way. That's what interest is just a bunch of Billy McFarlane's fucking out there. Uh, who's your MVP, brother? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. So, um, so you know, last week I gave uh, the MVP to the nod of uh, the St. Joe Medical Regional Center. The nurses out there, uh, DMTC, Dr. Mrs. The Commission, burp, burp, took a listen on that. She burp, goes, burp, burp, burp. She goes uh, you know, hey, uh, I get it. You gave them the uh, MVP of the week, but, sure. uh, you know, I did. I did push a human yeah, out yeah, of yeah, my yeah, vagina. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to call it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, this is a little uh, retro MVP for Dr. Mrs. The Commish. You know, you got it. You did mm. it. You did it. You <laughs> pushed a human out of your body. I get it. Also, too, uh, Weedaws out there. Uh, he's in Sundance. He's uh, cinematographer on a VR mm. pick called Marshall from Detroit. Uh, Marshall Mathers uh, vehicle, M&M, for those that don't know. What up, Doe? Uh, yeah, so... Two two MVPs. I'm gonna go for it. I, I love care. it. Do it, brother. Do it. So let's give uh let's give the wife, mother of three children. Uh, let's give her a little acapella air horn real fast. <laughs> and we dolls tear it up out there. All right, everybody. This has been the MAB Sports Podcast, episode 48. Thanks for hopping on board, guys. A uh, lot of segments going on. Shout at us. We are gonna get you a 
Mab on the street. We're going to do it for the Super Bowl. Mm. Uh, send us a little Mab Degrees of Separation. Uh, hit yeah. up that mailbag. Anything you want to hear? I think we got uh, it may be date night coming up soon. A lot of segments in the work. It's going to be dynamite. A lot of guests coming on. Got uh, tag us in your dips. Tag us in your dips. Tag us in your dips. Dip tag. Dip tag. I am Brandana. Why don't you sign yourself off? Most awesome. Hey, for all those listeners that are out there, if you want to get a true luxury experience, uh, we've got a new black card for podcasters. It's called Mab Nisus. Runway. Style. Fame. She likes fashion.